0: Wonderful friends, uh, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time Big QA. This is uh, Nikrita, your host. Uh, this program uh, is a program where we respond to difficult uh, questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible, and where we look at the word religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. If you like to make a comment or have your questions answered, Please text me on uh, 4 888 808 and we'll be very happy to be in touch with you today. In regard to the wonderful program, we are going to talk about what is Easter all about. And uh, for the whole week, we were approaching questions like, uh, should I celebrate Easter? Did Jesus really exist? did Jesus really raised from the dead and why does the resurrection matter we are going to look a little bit more into the aspect of is Jesus the only way to salvation please just uh, come on board with us and be part of this program with your uh, messages again you can message us through the phone number zero four triple eight eight zero eight double one and we we'll be very happy to take on board what do you have to say i would like to introduce uh, my co-host today because uh, we are going to have uh, two uh, wonderful people from the state of western australia welcome to you both coming with us uh, on Faith FM Drive Time. First of all, Ross, it's good to have you ba- back with us after a while.
1: Has been a while, Nick. <laughs>
0: and you brought with you also uh, somebody there. Uh, I think his name is Jason, is he?
1: Absolutely. He's a great yeah. mate of mine, and we actually did some studies together a oh, few years ago.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And yeah. um, now, uh, just uh, briefly, you know, from a message I got from you, I understand that uh, Jason is a student uh, of uh, theology.
2: That's is that great, right.
0: Yeah. yeah? Studying yeah. at uh, Avondale College in uh, New South Wales. Hey, Jason, I will yeah, come to you now. Just uh, <laughs> share with us a little bit. Uh, how is life at Avondale College and what you can uh, tell us?
2: Uh, Avondale College life is actually wonderful. Um, I actually grew up in the area, so it was kind of home <laughs> For me but um the Avenue experience it, it was just great you you'd become part of a family and yeah it was a really great place to study and and learn and and, and the experience kind of things just strengthens your faith as well so
0: that's great and um, just quickly what brought you to Western Australia
2: ah uh, so we God yes <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> that's a uh, so we sort of came to, my wife and I came to a, a point where uh, I've got one unit left of college and things like that and and we'd come to the end of the college year and, it's, and we decided, well, we can basically go wherever we want. And um, we just started praying about uh, where God wanted us to go to move our ministry uh, into a new area. And, um, yeah, we both ended up... Uh, Landing in uh, on Western Australia is where we we're going, and I just happened to know Ross from college. Uh, he went, he and I started together, and and Ross has the churches here in this area, and it, and I contacted Ross and said, "Hey, um, how about you know me coming over and volunteering with you?" And uh, he was very happy about that, and and I said, "Amen, answer to prayer," <laughs> even though I didn't quite
1: expect God to answer the prayer by bringing a mate. No, I'm just, I'm just saying that uh, Jason and his family moving to the town, uh, which is just a little way from the main the, the main church I have here in West Australia, because mm-hmm. I have four. Uh, it was an answer to prayer in two ways. Number one, ever since I first arrived here, we had a distinct lack of children in the church. So we've been praying now for close on two years that. God would bring us families with children, uh, and with Jason's arrival, we now have enough children to start the what is called an Adventurers Club, uh, which is ex- absolutely exciting because that means that God has answered that prayer. And he answered another prayer of mine, which was one of my other churches uh, a few hundred kilometres away in a town called Katanning. I have been praying for that church as well that we would just have membership growth and God answered that prayer by bringing in another family out there, a family of five. Yes. And a few other single people which meant that I needed to spend more time out there and I just couldn't work out how I was going to be able to juggle my time. So I said, Lord, look, I don't know how I'm going to do this but you do and then it was... Within forty-eight hours, I got a text message from Jason here saying, "We're coming," and I'm I'm just over the moon.
0: Great, yeah. wow, that's wonderful. And you're right, actually. You know, particularly when uh, you are part of a small church, you know, a small group, uh, when you have children among that brings life you know brings oh, it uh, does. yeah. Uh, and that's very very important and another thing is as um, we are going to talk today about this uh, special um, uh, time you know we today is you know the good friday you know as, as yeah. many people you know christians in general you know they uh, celebrating uh, uh, easter the death and resurrection of our lord jesus christ now uh uh, what I, I would like to say also that uh, it's interesting how many people who are not christians necessarily uh, they still talk about <laughs> Easter or at least uh, enjoying the holiday you know <laughs> um, Absolutely. but uh, i would like to i would like to come to to this important aspect of this season when we are remembering the death and resurrection our of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if I, if I could start with a question uh, here, Ross and, and Jason, who knows anything about the history of what we call Easter?
1: That's, that's a really good question, Nick. And uh, I can tell you that people have been celebrating about this time of year for a long time, even before Christian times. Mm-hmm. Um, people celebrated the equinoxes and the solstice
2: as uh, as very sacred times yes um yeah the equinoxes particularly the spring one in the northern hemisphere were almost worshipped it was a day that marked the coming out of the longer periods of dark
0: oh all right uh yes and the equinox uh, means that the day and
1: night are the
0: same length is that
1: but yeah that's right that's right it does um now, the, the Anglo-Saxons, they actually had a, a pagan goddess of the spring. And as as Jason mentioned, we're talking here about the northern hemisphere, of course, because mm-hmm. they're going into their spring. Mm. Uh, and so their days are getting longer, their nights are getting shorter. But the Anglo-Saxons had a, a goddess of spring, and her name was Istra. Right. And I'm pretty sure that you can work out how in the English-language-speaking countries that – easily grew to become what we now call Easter. But there are non-English speaking countries, Nick, and as being a representative of a non-English speaking country, I thought you might like to take this one.
0: (laughs) Actually, you're right, um, even back in uh, in my language. For for example, well in uh, like Greeks, Italians, you know, um, Danish, French, uh, uh, all those speaking countries use a form of the work, uh pasca. In Romania we ha- we say pashti, you know? Uh, ah. Yeah, we say pasht and um, which derives from the pascal lamb. Uh the term to describe the lamb sacrifice uh, during the Passover.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, Yeah, also the Paschal meal, like, now known as the Lord's Supper or Communion. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm.
0: What I was going to to say about this, because language is very, very interesting, you know. Um, Many times, if you compare in different languages, the meaning... Of some um, passages of the Bible, you'll you'll have a, a much more understanding of the the meaning of the words, you know. And that's why it's it's interesting to have those languages also, and uh, not only to mention that you know the Bible and the New Testament, in particular was uh, you know uh, written in Greek, actually. Uh, mm, and yeah. that's a very important uh, aspect because even I was um, I was having a guest with me here some while ago from Greece. And uh, he said that uh, in in Greece all the days of the week are uh, numbered like number one, two, three, four, five. But the n- six is not numbered like six. It's called, um, and I can't remember to write the word now. Maybe some Greek people who listen to us may uh, may send us a message with that. Uh, uh, but that means preparation day. Now, also, yeah, it's not a sixth day. The, all the others are day one, day two, the three, four, five but uh, the six days called preparation day. Mm -hmm. Now we are in the preparation day right, uh, right here today. As I mentioned earlier, uh, this is good Friday as, uh, as we call it. So what the Bible say about this meal to come back, you know, to the, to, to that Paschal lamb.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's another really good question because, uh, We've just briefly mentioned that there is a there, there is a perceived pagan heritage to the whole thing about Easter. Mm-hmm. But the Gospels, all four of them, actually speak about the Paschal meal that Jason mentioned before. And this is the meal that Jesus had with his disciples the night before his crucifixion. And I think it would be a really good idea if we actually read those and how to talk about similarities, because there's four different accounts. Mm -hmm. Actually, five. We'll come across the fifth one a bit later on. But there are the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, So, Jason, do you want to start us off by reading uh, Matthew 26,
2: verses uh, 26 through 29, please? Yeah, certainly, Ross. Okay, Matthew 26, 29. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Oh, Thanks, Jason. Now, that account
1: is by Matthew who was actually there. So we could be pretty confident that that's a, a fairly accurate account of what happened. I find it fascinating that Jesus has taken two really common things. He's taken bread which is common as and the fruit of the vine which was also something very common in those days. And by Using them as symbols, he has changed them from being just common everyday things to being something something special. And right. I, I really I really like that that idea that God can take or Jesus, who was God, can take something common like me <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and use me for a special purpose. So I'm going to read the one from Mark now. There's Couple of different schools of thoughts about how Mark actually found out about exactly what went on, but after we've read this one, I want to, if it's okay, Nick, I want to have a brief talk amongst the three of us about sure. the comparison between these two, these two accounts in Mark. Uh, this is in the fourteenth chapter and verses twenty-two to twenty-five, and it says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. They are amazingly similar, Mm. absolutely amazingly similar. One from a guy who was actually there and one from a guy who we're not quite sure where he got his information from. Mm -hmm. But while we know that he was, of course, inspired by God when he wrote those words, so that's one source, but those two accounts are very similar, very similar. And if you were in a court of law and your witnesses were giving accounts that were similar, not exactly the same, mm-hmm. but similar, that would add evidence to the fact that it must be true. What actually happened that night must have actually happened. Right. Now, the next guy, Luke, we got Matthew, Mark and Luke. Uh, Nick, could you read the, how Luke puts it? In Luke chapter 22, verses 17 to 20. Sure, sure. It says here, Then he
0: took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in re- remembrance of me likewise he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shared for you
1: thanks Nick yeah again a very similar one mm-hmm very similar account, not, again, not exactly the same as you would expect, different accounts to not be exactly the same. But we know that Luke wasn't there, and he got his information from interviewing people, because mm-hmm. um, he actually starts his gospel by saying, you know, this is a not a first-hand account, basically. I interviewed a lot of people who were there at different places. So, Okay, and also uh, he was writing under the inspiration of God. Um, and then we've got then we've got John, of course.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and before we go to to John, um, we should mention that the uh, Paschal meal uh, or Lord's uh, Supper is spoken is spoken of by by Paul in his <coughs> first letter to the Corinthians in chapter twelve, uh, actually eleven. Uh, verse 23 to 26 and Paul wrote this as all Bible writers under the inspiration of God Mm. it must be noted that this account also makes references uh, to um, as often as you do this uh, suggesting we should repeat this from time to time Uh, Not giving a specific frequency, just basically Mm. that uh, when we do this, we remember his sacrifice. Ross, would you uh, like to read some of Paul's uh, accounts in in that regard? Sure,
1: and as you said, uh, this is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. So it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to read verses 23 uh, to 26. And it reads... For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread Mm -hmm. and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. In the same manner he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do." As often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That's a very important point there. Mm -hmm. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you said, Nick, he makes particular reference here to doing this more than just that one night. Yes. And this is the night, of course, before he was crucified. So this is, it's almost like he's setting up a, a some sort of special rem- memorial meal or a special memorial meeting or gathering by saying, you know, each time you do this, do this in remembrance of me.
0: Yes, absolutely. And um, now we um, talk during the week um, uh also a bit more about this aspect of easter uh, what is easter all about and should i celebrate easter for example mm-hmm. or um uh, we we just uh, now read in the bible uh, some of the accounts what jesus said in in regard to his death and resurrection mm-hmm. and we observe here that uh, we pretty much we make reference to the communion yeah yeah and um that's another way of um uh putting that Easter is not just uh, one celebration once a year which unfortunately became very commercial these days like yeah. christmas um <laughs> oh yes and uh, people are just cannot wait you know just once a year to maybe go to church some people maybe only twice a year goes to church Easter yeah. and Christmas <laughs>
3: yeah
0: uh, but Jesus is giving us that um it's almost a command. A command, yeah. It's almost hmm. a command, like do this in remembrance of me. And every time you do it. You yeah. know, now it uh, doesn't really say how many times to do it. That's right. You know, but it says any time you do it, which means yeah. it's more than uh, than one you know occasion, uh do it in remembrance of uh, me. All right, well um let's uh, let's try to move on a little bit more. Where are we? Uh,
1: We're about to yeah, have a look so,
2: at the book of John, I think. Yeah, I think, Jason,
0: yeah. would you be able to, yeah, to look into
2: certainly. that? Yeah, so in John, um, John was known as the beloved disciple. Um, it's interesting because he's, his account is is a very different account. Uh, in fact, he still speaks of that last meal, but it's, it's kind of in a passing. Um, so in part of John 13, 2, he writes... And supper being ended, and that's that's about it that he does for the discussion. Um, and it's it's interesting, sort of, what do you guys make of that? That I just wanted to comment first. Um, we're very fortunate in the fact that the gospels are a very necessary part of of like the New Testament and Scripture, and just the fact that we have four different perspectives of the very same, the very that very same meal and the focus and. Um, yeah. All right, share share with us. Yeah, so you've got so you've got like your first hand account with with Matthew um, and and his his sort of perspective. Uh, then you've got Mark, who who sort of he he knew of it, but we're not sure sort of where he came into that picture. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got Luke, who uh, being a being from Gentile origin, he kind of researched. And he asked people, and he was very determined to find out. So he didn't just ask one person, he asked many. Yeah. And then, and so it's very credible what Luke has. And Mm. then you've got John who, being the beloved disciple, but you would think John would have the most to say, but he has the least to say, but it's still very, very poignant in that he puts it there. It's placed there. It's something that is in all of the Gospels. So it's something that it speaks directly to us.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That
2: that is so true. And of course there's Paul also who who wrote an account.
1: Um and he, he wasn't there and he didn't actually speak to anybody except he actually started off by saying, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. So he's basically saying there that his account of what occurred that evening pretty much came straight from inspiration, straight mm. from straight from Jesus. Uh uh, by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. I have a feeling, though, we're, we're going to read on a little bit more in John and discover that he has a slightly different focus. Yes. Uh, on that particular meal.
0: Right. C- can we move into that uh, actually, yeah. Ross? Let's let's uh, look at, uh, at John. Okay. Um, okay. Is John John thirteen? I believe thirteen, verse three and five.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, it actually reads Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, and this is where the focus really is now, Jesus rose from supper and laid aside his garments, Mm. took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel which he was girded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is a remarkable, remarkable thing. Well, when you consider that Jesus is God, Mm. he's washing the feet of, um, well, people that he, he created. That's a remarkable sign of humility right there. Yes. And... In in a lot of churches, the the foot washing is referred to as the ordinance of humility and Mm. for that reason, for that reason. And I actually think probably some of our listeners may have heard the term Maundy um, or Maundy Thursday Uh, and uh, a lot of religions actually use this to describe the Thursday before the preparation day or the Thursday before the day that Jesus died on the cross. Right. And in saying that we know then that this this meal, this Lord's Supper, the Last Supper or or the Paschal meal, would have happened on Maundy Thursday. Now the word Maundy is interesting because it has a couple of uses, one of which is the name attributed to what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. Mm-hmm They actually call it the the Maundy service, but particularly when it includes the foot washing. So the Maundy has a a real close connection with the foot washing. And then uh, there are some Latin roots to the word Maundy, which uh, explains it or relates it to being an instruction, as you said before, Nick, um, basically a command. Mm. And both of those uses, I feel, are relevant here. Right. In John's account uh, on the day, uh, and uh, that's in uh, John chapter 13, there are a few commands given by Jesus in that particular chapter. One is in John fifteen thirteen, 13, um, and this is after um, John 13, sorry, 15. <laughs> and this is after Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. And, Jason, what does that say?
2: Yep, sure. Um John 13:15 For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Um and can I read verse 16:17? I'll go for it. Go for it, Jason. Yep. Okay. Um most assuredly I say to you a servant is not greater than his master, mm. nor is he who is sent greater than he who is sent. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Mm. Well, People sometimes refer
1: to Jesus as being a servant leader, and I think that those two verses in particular mm. really point that out.
0: Right, right. It's,
1: yeah, yeah, it's leading by example, and it actually said there, I think Jason, the last few words were, blessed are you if you do them. Yeah. That to me means that if we do follow the example of Jesus in so many ways, that uh, blessings will follow
0: yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, there is uh, that other command given in this chapter too. Uh, yeah, that in verse thirty-four, uh, in some uh, circles, uh, this is a well-known um, commandment—a uh, new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another, and mm. um, and thirty-five follows. Um, By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, again, Jesus is telling us um, to follow his example. This is very important today to clarify that um, in terms of uh, celebrating Easter, it's not good enough just to, uh, to have a date in the calendar there mm-hmm. and then say, OK, Easter is coming oh yes, uh, Jesus died and um, you know uh, then uh, Sunday morning we'll say uh, Jesus is risen um, and then carry on with life the same until next year <laughs> next you know um, Here we're talking about uh, a change in our life. Yeah. Um, Jesus is showing through that supper, that uh, he's the the master he's the the king of the universe god and he kneeled down before these broken vessels these disciples washed their feet and telling them you know you are going to be new you are going mm-hmm. to be new and you are going to do the same things which i've done to you to others and not just in uh, in that service you know that communion aspect but uh, most of them Present there, um, they also follow Jesus uh, as mar- martyrs. You know, yeah. they they died for for that belief in Jesus. That's an amazing thing. Yeah, Ross, anything else you would like to say?
1: Um, well, actually, um, just before we went on air today, Nick, um, Jason, and I were sitting here having a chat about um, the absolute. Uh, it seems to be the prominence that people put on the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Everyone seems to focus on the resurrection. And we were talking and we figured that there wouldn't have been, there couldn't have been a resurrection without the death. Mm. You're right. And, and we we seem to gloss over the events of the Friday we, we all focus, and yes, the resurrection is absolutely important because we're told that, you know, he's going to be the first fruits um, and that we'll be following him, uh, and it's another example that he set for us. He will die, he'll be resurrected, and that's the fulfilment of prophecy. Um, but the, the events of the Friday were mm-hmm. very important as well, very important. And as, as you were just saying, Nick, he actually got down on his knees and washed the feet of people who who were following him or would be following him, or would be. Uh, well, what did Peter do? Yeah, less than twenty-four hours later. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he he refused to know who Jesus was, but yet Jesus had washed his feet, and all the disciples after the crucifixion seemed to take the bolt and mm-hmm. and and hide. Um. Because it's really interesting that uh, when Jesus is buried, it's the women who followed him from Galilee. This is, uh, I think it's in the Matthew account, the women who followed him from Galilee uh, saw where they laid his body. Mm. And then, of course, they they went away to prepare the the spices, uh, expecting that he was still going to be there on the Sunday um, so they could finish preparing his body. Yes, but it's it's really interesting because this uh, this focus that John has on the foot washing, I think is is really important. Mm-hmm. I think it is really important. And if we look back over the other gospels uh, and their accounts of that night, we are told to remember the significance of what Jesus did every time we take part in that communion service. Right, he reminds us. Or well, he tells us there, it's just like that command or the Maundy, that we do this and we remember him, including the foot washing. But some people will ask, well, what's that all about? Mm-hmm. What, where did it, you know, what is the foot washing? On? Where did that even come from, and why
2: is it really important? Okay. Well, foot washing is mentioned in many places in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. As far back as Genesis 18, verse 4, when Abraham had three visitors, one being the Lord, Abraham offers water for them to wash their feet and rest. Mm-hmm. If foot washing, or at least the provision of water, was was sort of given as a sign of, of basically hospitality. Yeah. Um, in other places, foot, foot washing was associated with like uh, uh, ritual acts like okay. uh, the priest washing the hands or, or feet before entering the temple. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sort of symbolised purity. Actually that I'm
1: just going to jump in here because yeah. that um, that sign of ritual uh, <sighs> I was actually fortunate enough at the, the start of last year before COVID shut the world down basically mm-hmm.
3: um,
1: I was fortunate enough to get to Jerusalem. And, um, Lucky you. So <laughs> yeah, I tell you, man, if you ever get a chance to go, anybody listening, go, go. Yeah. go just just do it. It is yeah. remarkable. But one thing, this, this ritual of washing hands and feet, um, I really didn't grasp that being in the 21st century until I went to the Western Wall and there is a, a special place set up for the Jews when they come in to wash their hands and their feet before they actually approach the Western Wall, and that just that just astounded me. Yeah. It just astounded me that something like that had carried all the way through.
2: But anyway, sorry, Jason, hmm. I've jumped no, in. No, <laughs> I, that would have been an amazing experience. Yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, I can continue on in First um, yeah. Samuel twenty-five forty-one. Uh, it's the first time someone in a knowledge position was doing the washing of someone else's feet. Okay. Um, David has sent his servant with a marriage proposal to Abigail, a beautiful and wise woman by all accounts, mm. and recently widowed. Being proposed to by God's anointed king was definitely an honoured position. Mm. Yeah. But in this verse, I said it says, then she arose, bowed her face to the earth, and said, "Here is your maidservant, a servant." To wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. She humbles herself and washes the feet of David's servants.
0: Really, Actually, really, a very. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry yeah. Rose, just before uh, you there. Yep. Um, really, uh, the story of this woman is amazing. You know, if you have a chance mm-hmm. to just uh, uh, go back and uh, read that story, because uh, you mentioned that she was recently like a widow, because, yeah. uh, but she saved her family. Uh, through her wisdom, um yeah, just mentioning that that David was going to destroy that family because they were not going to help them, even though David yeah. showed so much kindness to to her family but yeah really she, and she continued she continued when she was asked to to come before David you know, and even and become his wife yeah. Um, yeah. that she was so humble, she was considering herself like a servant you know to serve others and that's a that's a thing which I would like to contemplate for a moment here mm. uh, because uh, too often we think of ourselves uh, very highly regarded you know and yeah. uh, we don't understand that the king of the universe you know the prince of the universe he come down to us as a servant and he yeah. show us what that sort of service mean you know and uh, probably if we would like to learn something in this time when people are all around the world Christians I'm talking about particularly celebrating Easter that we learn something from there uh, not just to keep going with our parties with our holidays with our things whatever eating and drinking and do all those things but really think of the the impact which Jesus would have on those disciples mm-hmm. at, uh, in that uh, in that time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, go Absolutely. ahead, Ross.
0: You were, uh, sorry it's, to interrupt you there. Oh, look,
1: yeah. Oh, j- Jason was just talking about uh, how Abigail was uh, being proposed to mm. by David, who had been anointed to be king of Israel. Um, and so that actually did put her in a very honoured position, how she then got down and washed the feet of those people who were delivering the message on behalf of David. Mm. Well, I actually read somewhere recently, uh, and this blew me away, uh, about foot washing between a bride and groom as part of the wedding ceremony.
0: Right, all
1: right. Mm. Yeah, I was was quite surprised. I mean, it's quite unusual, Mm -hmm. but when you think about it, it's a beautifully symbolic thing. Because on one hand, you've got the person doing the washing of the feet. Yes. And they do, they do change places, so they do wash each other's feet. But in, in, in the ceremony, the washing, it, it demonstrates the love and the honour and the respect that the person doing the washing pays for their, their spouse or their, yeah, well, that time. Um, it also shows a great sense of humility and character and it's, it actually says uh, where I read, it makes the statement of commitment mm. and places the, and this part I really like, and places the one washing in a prayerful position. Okay. And I think if you can enter marriage in a prayerful mm. position, that's got to be a great way to start a marriage. Wow. That's got to be a great way. And then, of course, the one who is having their feet washed, well, they feel the love mm-hmm. and the support that's mm-hmm. being communicated through this action. And they are also humbled because allowing someone to wash their feet means that they're not above asking for help. Yes. And yes. and I think that Jesus washing his disciples' feet covers all of that. It shows his love His his honour and his respect for his disciples, even though he knew within less than 48 hours, um, they were going to run away and hide.
0: Yes, absolutely. He knelt
1: before them. He knelt before them.
0: Wow. Wow wow that's amazing um, hey guys uh, just before we are uh, coming back to this experience with the disciples yeah. uh, I'm, I'm wondering if we can take a short break here now I know that I have few issues today or uh, technical issues here but I, I hope that I can play a song here uh, and then we'll we'll come back uh, the song I chose is 10,000 reasons let's listen to this and we'll come back uh, shortly mm-hmm. That was a beautiful song, guys. I'm not sure if you could hear it, maybe not, but uh, you probably uh, heard it uh, on your computer. Uh, This was 10,000 Reasons uh, by Matt Random. um, And bless my soul, you know, bless my soul and worship the Lord uh, for this, particularly in this time, you know, uh, even though we we are talking about the death Um, of our Lord Jesus Christ, but praise God for that because otherwise we'll be doomed, you know, we'll be lost. (laughs) And God chose, God chose to do that for us, you know, to give his life that we may live for him. Hey, I'm going to give a a free gift to our listeners um, today. And I was just thinking, what should I give to you today? And I could not help but just Think of a little, little book here um, uh, about the life of Jesus. And um, the book is called The Path to Peace. And I hope that you'll have peace in your heart during this time uh, of celebration, this, uh, this season. Um, uh, it is peace that you need. Heaven's forgiveness and peace and love in the soul. Money Mm. cannot buy it. Intellect cannot procure it. Wisdom (laughs) cannot obtain it. Mm. You can never hope by your own efforts to secure it. But God offers it to you as a gift without money, without price. And we are giving this book to you today Without money, without price, no obligation it's free to you, please just send us a text on zero four, triple eight eight zero eight double one, and you can have this book free in your hands. Time is marching uh, very quickly, guys today. And yep. um, I'm wondering, uh, let's see uh, how we can uh, continue a little bit here. Now, as I said a bit earlier, because of the situation uh, coming uh, live with you via Zoom, we had few issues here, technical issues, but uh, uh, you'll forgive us uh, uh, for that. And I'm trying to get back myself into the uh, menu here. To be able to see where we are. Okay, before the break, we are talking about um, uh, Ross uh, um, that experience Jesus with the disciples, uh, yes. uh, and that's fascinating. You know, uh, let's mm-hmm. let's go back to to Jesus, and um, um, probably we could read uh, now John 3, 6, uh, 13, uh, mm-hmm. verses six to ten. Is somebody uh, able to read that passage uh, as we move on?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm happy to. Okay, go for that, Jason. Yeah. Uh, so John 13, 6 to 10. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Hmm. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. Yeah. All
0: right. All right. What we can get from here.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a fascinating little passage. The fact that Peter didn't want his feet washed. And you know, why would he not? what 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 was stopping him to uh, mm. to allow Jesus to wash his feet mm. and i i think part of the answer to that could have be could be from that uh that thing i read about the bride and groom washing each other's feet as part of the wedding ceremony and i have a feeling that there was an element of pride in there mm. yeah,
2: probably, could, yeah probably yeah yeah go go on uh, Jason. Okay. can i add something to this um, sure i kind of um when I read this passage, it makes me think sometimes, like, I wonder did Peter feel like the, the weight of sin in that moment? Mm-hmm. And and he's just gone, you know, this is this is heavy and I, I need more than what Jesus is offering. Like when Jesus sort of said, you've got no part with me, he's like, hang on, I, don't, I can't be without Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of trying to jump in and go, well, wash all of me because that's what it needs. And what Jesus said to him is what I offer is enough. Yeah. Like it's not what you bring, it's what I bring. Uh, and, and, um,
0: yeah. 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 So, sorry for, uh, for interrupting that. I'm just thinking also another aspect, you know, that, you know, how Peter was very, uh, um, sanguine, you know, uh, he, he stood up, you know, and in front yes. of other people and he would say, no way, uh, Jesus, the master, you know, you're not going to wash my feet, you know, um, uh, you <laughs> know, uh, yeah. He, he was uh, trying. To, he was quick to speak, you know. <laughs>
3: he was, yeah.
0: <laughs> but but let, let's move a little bit quickly here. Yeah. Wh- wh- what change? Uh, what makes to change his mind? Because later on we we read that uh, he said, "Oh, not only my feet, even my yeah. my head and my whole body."
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think as Jason said, he he kind of then had a bit of a realization. Um. After hearing what Jesus said to him that if you you know, if I don't do this you have no part with me, mm. put him on a back step a little bit, then he realized that he he needed so much more than he felt Jesus was offering him at that stage. And he said, Like, just all of me. Take all of me. Yeah. And it's interesting that Jesus then said, um, you know, well, you don't need it if you're clean, if you've had a bath, if you've been bathed. And that's that's an interesting thing. Uh, because there are some religions around that practice what we call baptism by immersion. Yes. And sometimes it's uh, made a bit of a bit of a joke about someone having a bath, um, which is symbolic of the death and resurrection of Jesus as mm-hmm. well, because we die to self, We die to sin, and we spend some time in the grave or under the water and then we are resurrected to a new life. So there's, mm. that, there's that link to the whole um, Easter weekend, I suppose, mm. the death, resting in the grave, and the resurrection uh, to a new life yep. and, the, and a new birth. But verses 14 and 15, it says there, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And again, there's a a bit of an instruction there that we should do what Jesus has done. Amen. Um, But Jesus here is clearly talking to his disciples and I've heard that said, hang on, you can't, you can't, you can't say that because Jesus is clearly just talking to his disciples and then they ask the question, how does this relate to us today? Well, I'm a bit thankful that I've got my, my mate Jason sitting here because uh, we're going to have a, a very quick Greek lesson because it's interesting if we look at the verbs in those statements and, le- and le- how le- they yeah. actually relate to uh, the time of the, the time that these actual statements were made. So if we combine the us see, let Let's
0: see see if we can do that in one minute and a half because that's our time. (laughs) If we
1: combine all the stories together, Mm -hmm. um, we find that there are some of the verbs, for example, where he says take, eat, or divide this amongst you. These are verbs that are talking about a singular point in time in the Greek. And Jason, they are called… Aorist imperatives. Oh, very good. So that's a a single action (laughs) at a single time. Later on, he says, do this in remembrance of me. This carries. This is a verb that carries a continuous sort of action into the present, and Jason, they are called? Present imperative. There we go. <laughs> and that kind of means do this and keep doing it. So if we look at the original languages, we are told quite clearly that we are to repeat this action. And I kind of think, Nick, just sort of to wrap it up, I guess, a little bit. Yes. It kind of... Jesus is almost setting up this communion meal with the foot washing as, and we mentioned this before, as a significant thing to do to remember his sacrifice for us.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, hey, uh, guys, look, uh, I would have loved to have a bit more time to talk to you because I'm starting to feel comfortable now and to uh, to talk to you. But I think we have to do it again uh, with uh, yeah, next sure. time, you know, when uh, yeah. and Jason, are you going to be there for a while in Western Australia?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yes. I've I've <laughs> committed to a non-specific long period of time. Oh, well. Okay, well
0: then I will see you next time both of you, but now uh, I have to uh, just say goodbye to our listeners and uh, thank you so much for joining us today um uh, Rose and Jason from Western Australia and thank you all for our listeners um uh, tuning in with us. I really like to Um, say goodbye to you now and inviting you to come back uh, next time when we are going to talk about the blessings of faith. Until then, may God richly bless you. If we have uh, a minute time, uh, I'll play a song here, uh, The One I'm Dying For. God bless all.